Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Yankees Magazine podcast. How you doing? I'm John Schwartz. With me today, we have Al Sanasiri. Hello. Al just nodded first because... Uh, <laughs> That's what I do. Unfamiliar with the podcast medium, perhaps. <laughs> and, of course, we have Nathan Makaborski. Hello there. Welcome, everybody. So... It's basically February. Maybe it is February, in fact, when you're listening to this, but that's crazy. Yeah, we know what that means. Pitchers and catchers. It means we just have to get through the hurdle of the Super Bowl, and then it is time to start waiting anxiously for baseball season. Exactly. Can't wait. How are you going to handle those horrible two weeks between the Super Bowl and (laughs) when you finally get (laughs) fake stories from pitchers and catchers reporting? I mean, for me, baseball season begins (laughs) January 1, it feels like. I mean... As soon as we get back from the holiday, it's like full steam ahead. So got my head down at my desk over there. There's plenty of work to be done in getting these uh, publications ready so that when folks show up to, to GMS Field, they got a, a nice program on the newsstands down there, and subscribers can expect something nice in their mailboxes shortly thereafter. So from my perspective, I, I kind of feel like although the games haven't begun, it's been baseball season for a while already. Nate, about four minutes ago, you filed a story that you just wrote on um, last week's Yankees news. Obviously, we may have jumped the gun a little bit with our podcast, assuming that Mariano Rivera was going to be elected to the Hall of Fame. He got elected? He got fact, in. Crazy. In fact, he did. Uh, so now <laughs> it's real. First unanimous election in baseball history. You know, obviously, we discussed a lot of this already, and fans can look forward to your story but what are just some of your impressions from diving into the world of mariana rivera over the last week really cool to be a part of it anytime a yankee goes into the hall of fame i mean that's that's a huge huge deal even for a guy like mariana where we've known for about (laughs) 20 years that this was going to happen what i thought was really cool was watching the video of when he got the call he finds out he's been elected to the hall of fame and you know it's a nice moment and you know they him and his family here that he's in and they all kind of clap and cheer but then they say hold on there's more news you're the first person and the caller doesn't even get to finish the sentence and they just erupt because he knows that the rest of it is you're the first person to get a hundred percent of the votes and to see mariano who you know is just always so stoic so cool you know you rarely even see him sweat to see his reaction to getting that bit of news i thought it was really really cool and you know something that i definitely wanted to uh, you know kind of include in my story just so that it's always there forever when people you know pick this up years from now they'll they'll remember just how much that meant to him and his family well one thing that i love in there he has his whole family sitting around him they have tv cameras on them there's literally only one thing in the world that could cause his phone to ring at that moment, and that is, you know, a call from Jack O'Connell, Jack O'Connell yeah. of the Baseball Writers Association of America. And Jack O'Connell does not call you to say, hey, man, good effort, maybe next year. <laughs> so he answers the phone, and you do a great job in the story, Nate, of just really drawing out the process um, from when it starts ringing until when he finally answers it. And he's just like, hi, is this Mariana Rivera? And Rivera answers like, Yes, it is. Who's this? And it's like, dude, who do you think it is? <laughs> there, there's no one else. Did you think you accidentally like answered a call um, from like someone trying to get money for a political campaign? Yeah. And it's like, no, man, I'm waiting for a phone call. Why would you call me now? 
Uh, <laughs> then, you know, the day after they did the, the press conference down in Manhattan, and I was there for that, where Mariano was there, along with Mike Mussina, who that was great as well to see another former Yankee who will be going into the Hall of Fame this year. And Edgar Martinez was there. And, you know, seeing those guys slip on those nice Hall of Fame jerseys, it's just, you know, they're part of a such an elite fraternity a, a team that <laughs> they'll be part of for the rest of their lives so it was a it was a really cool day and a cool moment and I, i'm glad i had the opportunity to to write about it al you've obviously been covering mariano for about 15 years both during and after his career you're going to spend a lot of time this year down at mariano rivera rabbit hole as we get toward that induction what are you looking forward to learning that you don't know at this point about the guy Really, how he, how much this means to him, and I, I think um, already I got a, an introduction to that um, just by watching the same phone call that Nate watched and seeing how he reacted to being the first unanimous selection. But really, just talking to him about that, and it, it, it takes nothing away from any other Hall of Famer who was not elected unanimously. But there is something that is so much more special uh, about it. I mean, you can't deny it. You know, you can't look at it. If, if another player in the future, you know, gets in and he gets in, you know, with 98% of the votes or 96% or whatever, you know, anyone who says, well, it, it's the same thing, it means just, it really doesn't because what, he, what this kind of symbolizes for me is just how unique of a player he was. I mean, I always thought that he was someone who did his job at a higher level and with more efficiency than anybody else in the sport, in the history of the sport. He failed less than anyone else. So for anyone to, to be the first unanimous selection, it almost makes sense. And that's not taking away, you know, why wasn't Babe Ruth or Hank Aaron or Willie Mays just magnificent players in their own right. But Mariano Rivera's career was as close to perfect as any, more close to being perfect than any other player i have two questions i guess first off why does it matter that he was unanimous i mean obviously as you said al willie mays isn't any less of a baseball player because he wasn't a unanimous inductee or electee to the hall of fame um why does this one matter he's not gonna have a bigger plaque than anyone else it's gonna be the same thing yeah i i just think it's because he knew i mean he, you know the one thing i thought that jack said jack o'connell said that was really funny was when he said you know, Mariano, I told you five years ago that I was going to be making this call, and I laughed at it, and, and not in, in any way, shape, or form uh, to be disrespectful to, to Jack. It was, it was very funny because what a great, what a bold prediction, you know, like, <laughs> wow, okay. Now, if he said that to Mike Mussina, that maybe would have been a little bit more powerful. Of course, he knew that, but Mariano knew that, too, and I think that it was, it was kind of one of those things where he knew that was going to happen. There was no doubt for five years that that was going to happen. I mean, really, realistically, there was no way that wasn't happening. So there was only one thing left for him to achieve, and that's what it was. So when And that was not something that was ever guaranteed. It was not something that was ever even, I don't even think probable, honestly. I think possible, but definitely not probable. Um, so for that to actually come to fruition and happen, I literally think it was the one thing left in his career to achieve anytime you do something that no one else has done there's something really really special about it and i think he realizes that and i think it was kind of further validation of he's always believed in living his life a certain way and treating people a certain way and i think this is just one more bit of evidence that when you do live your life that way things tend to work out in your favor you know so uh, when people talk about you know the various reasons why 
some of the greatest players in baseball history weren't voted in unanimous, unanimously or didn't get in on their first time. You know, sometimes it had to do with little personal vendettas between players and, and writers and things of that nature. Well, nobody had any issues like that with Mariano Rivera because of the way he treated people every step of the way throughout his career. So then here's the second question. I promised we can agree that at his job, Rivera was the best ever. It's probably going to be a while before the next time we see a player who was the best ever at whatever um, come up for induction. I mean, certainly we're going to see a pretty beloved player next year and Derek Jeter, who's mm-hmm. up there. Do you think this changes anything in terms of the voting process? Are we going to see more unanimous inductees at this point now that it's happened i don't think so i i really don't i think this is something that uh happened because of the two things the one thing that i said about how he he not only was the best ever at his position but i think he dominated his opponent more so than any other player and i think he failed less than any other player and also because of what what nathan said about the way that he treated uh writers and and members of the media now of course Derek Jeter's on the ballot next year and he treated people in my opinion equally as well and understood the value of community relations department the value of of people that were in and around his world for the, the 20 years that he played here he obviously with no disrespect he didn't dominate uh you know, the opposition the way Mariano Rivera did. And, and he wasn't, you know, he's not going to go down as unquestionably the greatest shortstop of all time. But I guess here's my question then, because everything you just said is true. But, and this is back to the point I was making a few minutes ago, the Hall of Fame is a binary thing. You are either in the Hall of Fame or you are not in the Hall of Fame. No one outside of Rivera at this point can remember the percentage of a guy's induction or the year he got in. Who is that person next year who is not going to vote for Derek Jeter? I'm not saying Derek Jeter is the best shortstop ever. I'm not saying Derek Jeter is the best Yankee ever. But everyone basically agrees Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer. So I'm just wondering if there's something that changes moving forward now that we've gotten rid of this idea that unanimous inductee is some, you know, bridge never to be crossed and the whole, like, well, if, you know, Tom Seaver wasn't unanimous, I'm not going to vote for this guy in his first ballot, whatever. Who is that person next year who says, I am not ready to vote for Derek Jeter yet? I don't know who it is, and I don't know, and I don't agree with the mindset if someone is to not vote for him. I'll say that right now, because to, to your point, it's you're either Hall of Famer or you're not. I don't know who who that person is. Again, I don't agree with it because he's, I mean, he amassed, you know, almost 3,500 hits, and because it's been something for so many years where great player after great player after great player got in, I just suspect that he'll fall victim to the same thing that Cal Ripken did or Willie Mays did. Not, not even, you know, to your point, not to because of, his, because of a personality flaw or whatever, but something will be pointed out. Well, he never won an MVP award. Or, you know, in, in Cal Ripken's case, you know, he hung on too long. You know, there will be some flaw that someone deems large enough to not put him in on the first ballot. And that's probably what the logic is. But I absolutely oppose it and don't agree with it. So then I have one more question, and then we'll move on to the next one. Now that that threshold has been passed, do you think that as a result of that, Jeter's percentage next year will be higher than it would have been otherwise? It's hard for me to say because I've never understood the the reasons that people give for leaving undeniable Hall of Famers off the ballot at all. You know, when they talk about like, oh, well, I only get to choose 10. Well, if... 
you know, one of those guys is a Derek Jeter, <laughs> well, you know what? Then take your 10th guy off the list and put Derek Jeter on there. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's I think he's going to be 100% next year. I really do. Okay. So um, I guess I'm just skeptical based on what's what happened. What we've seen in the past. Which, what we've seen in the past with absolutely magnificent players. I hope you're right, and you can tell me that you told me so next year. <laughs> well, listeners of the podcast know that my predictions are rarely right, so we'll see. <laughs> and obviously, over the course of this season, we'll have plenty of coverage as well of Mike Messina, you know, who will also be going to the Hall of Fame. He's chosen a blank hat. So that oh, is that right? I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. Uh They announced uh, that he's going in with a blank hat, just like Halliday. And I've been saying for the last fifteen minutes, I think you are either a Hall of Famer or you are not a Hall of Famer. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's as much as a Hall of Famer right now as Harold Baines or Lee Smith. And you know, he is a Yankee in the Hall of Fame, and that's a huge thing. And anytime a franchise can put two Hall of Famers in in one year, I mean, and certainly you have to include Lee Smith as well for (laughs) (laughs) the moments he spent with the Yankees. It's a remarkable career Musina had as well. We will do our best to cover it in the same way that we cover Rivera this year. And I think that's something I know as an editor, as a writer, I'm looking forward to what we do in the magazine. I hope our readers get the same enjoyment out of uh, our coverage of these two this year that we will in producing it. So that's something to look forward to. When we come back, we will have a couple of other things we're going to discuss on this episode. We're going to discuss, you know, our road-weary editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri, who has just returned from a couple of reporting assignments. And then the nature of the calendar turning to February, I think it's time to start discussing some of the things that we are looking forward to in Tampa. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Rizzo Reardon. You're listening to the New York Yankee Magazine podcast. And we are back. Al. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Found your way here okay? Found my way here okay. Reintroduced myself to you guys. Had a nice polar vortex waiting for you back home. (laughs) And it's only going to get colder tonight and tomorrow. Let me tell you, I I picked the right time to do my ice fishing in Wisconsin trip with James Paxton because (laughs) somehow I don't think that would have been happening today. That's a good day to uh, be inside. Absolutely. Hot cocoa or an adult beverage, perhaps, if uh, you're one of our many listeners in the upper Midwest. But um, <laughs> for the rest of us, Al, you know, you were in decidedly warmer conditions over the last week and a half or so. Why don't you tell us about where you've been? Yeah, you know, I was in uh, Southern California uh, reporting on a story there with Al Downing, former starting pitcher for the Yankees. I uh, pitched here for nine years and then had some great success after that with the Los Angeles Dodgers. But, you know, a really interesting story that I know we'll talk about a little bit down the road as we get ready to publish that in the middle of the summer. But a, a really kind and, and wonderful person uh, to, to spend an afternoon with. I really hope I do a good job with it because it's, uh, I certainly have a, some great, great material from a great person. So I went from there. From, uh, I interviewed him in Pasadena, California, and I went from there. I uh, drove to Las Vegas, and uh, the next day... Uh, spent actually quite a bit of time with our new shortstop, Troy Tulowitzki, which we'll talk about here in a second. And then the next day, uh, spent, again, good portion of the day with our former uh, star first baseman, Jason Giambi. Troy Tulowitzki and his role is probably the biggest question mark right now for this team. So, you know, what? tell us. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he obviously his path or his journey is – 
has been quite a roller coaster to this point. You know, he quickly ascended uh, with the Rockies to the top of the game, to being one of the best players in the game, having some of the best seasons that a shortstop has ever had, becoming a perennial all-star, and, you know, all the accolades that go with being, you know, really one of the very best players in the sport. In time, injuries really derailed what looked like a, a career that was on a Hall of Fame track. So where he is now, he signed a you know a one-year contract with the Yankees, and you know the interesting part about that that I couldn't wait to ask him about was you know how sentimental it was to be with the Yankees to, to have the opportunity now to play for the Yankees. The that, team. that number two was no accident, obviously. Yeah, that number two is no accident. Um, he followed Derek Jeter, you know, his whole career. He was a huge, passionate fan of Derek Jeter and, and other shortstops as well, and really a, just a fan of. The, the position of shortstop, not just Derek Jeter, but, you know, Cal Ripken. And um, I'll tell you, you know, a funny anecdote. I walked into his house and, you know, the first words he said to me were like, you're not afraid of dogs, are you? And I said no. And um, that was good because two uh, boxers came like running out of whatever room they were in and turned the corner and ran up to me. And But they were uh, – really just anxious to show me affection not not bite me or anything <laughs> bad like that so i said oh what is your names what's your names and troy's like he's ripkin and he's rawlings so ripkin <laughs> of course named after cal ripkin and rawlings named after rawlings um gloves because he got rawlings the day he won his first gold glove award so it was kind of a neat way to start the story and a neat anecdote from there he was anxious to show me a room in his house where he's got two walls or literally almost floor to ceiling covered with like bat racks with bats in them and there's probably a couple hundred bats and they're all signed by former major league players and current major league players star players and you know he's just basically walks right up to the bat that Derek Jeter signed and he's so proud of it because it doesn't just say like best wishes or something like that it says you know it's been a pleasure to watch you play and, you know, keep, keep it going, keep working hard, and it's this inspirational message. So that's, like, the first thing that he shows me in his house. And then there's his all-star jerseys, you know, hanging in the same room, Troy's all-star jerseys. And in between them is a, a jersey that Derek Jeter wore in an all-star game signed to him. There's pictures of him and Derek with Troy's son when he was a, a, a baby at the time. Um, so now having the opportunity to wear the pinstripes is something that's very humbling to him. And after all the injuries and all the uncertainty and all of that, he's almost at a point where he's tuning out all the naysayers, people saying, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, because he's heard it all over the last five years. And he's got the opportunity of a lifetime in front of him, the opportunity to play the position that Derek Jeter played in the pinstripes, uh, in pinstripes, excuse me. And he's worked very, very hard to get back to this point. And he's, he knows that anything can happen. It's that life is uncertain, especially when your body's been beat up the way his has. That's great. That sounds like, uh, you know, I love hearing about guys who have a passion for the sport and it's interesting that he's has a, a passion for the position too you don't always hear that like sometimes guys are fans of certain players or certain teams but to be just a fan of shortstops is pretty cool it sounds like a uh, a good addition to the clubhouse I mean even if things don't work out perfectly I mean even it sounds like he's the type of guy who just his presence uh, will rub off on guys in, in a positive manner I have no doubt about it. He was interested even after our interview, we talked for a while. He was interested in, in just hearing about from someone who 
has nothing to do with the, the clubhouse, uh, but just who's who's covered the team, you know, who the leaders were and how I felt he would fit in. And he, he's interested in that. He cares about that and he wants to contribute. Just like you said, he, he has a tremendous desire to contribute to this team in every way that he possibly can. It's always interesting for me, you know, this time of year, and we'll get to this a little bit more even in our next segment, but everyone makes the joke about, you know, spring training, every player is in the best shape of his life and everything like that. Troy Tulowitzki, you know, not to throw water on him or on your story, I think the best case scenario for Yankees fans is that Troy Tulowitzki is not their shortstop at the end of the year. And that's a weird thing to be approaching in this February. I mean, I, sure. I think Yankees fans want Didi Gregorius to mm-hmm. become the starter again, healthy, just like he was. And whether that means that Troy Tulowitzki is a very capable backup or that he's somewhere else or that he simply isn't playing anymore, I, I don't know. But you have these weird situations where, you know, the players' goals and the fans' goals don't necessarily align, despite the fact that in this short-term moment, you know, they are going in the same way. I, I'm interested to see over the course of the year what becomes of this because, look, Troy Tulowitzki was an exceptional player not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you listen to people who watched him, this is a case of a guy who got just a terrible injury that was extremely hard to play with who says, you know, for the first time in years, he feels fine. Does he still have the same bat speed? Does he still have the same eye? You know, all those things, who knows? But I imagine that if you actually are swinging pain-free for the first time in years, that's got to make a huge difference for you. Well, I'd be interested, too. I mean, I think for the better goals of, of, of the team, you know, we all want Didi Gregorius to be back. He's one of the best shortstops in the game, and he's proven that. And last year, what happened after the season was, was a tough break, tough break for him and tough break for the Yankees. The cool thing about Troy is he's going into the season with his eyes, you know, wide open. He's not... Um, trying to deceive anyone into thinking that he's expecting to be the starting shortstop or that he wants to be the starting shortstop after Didi comes back. He expects that Didi is going to come back, and he knows how great of a player Didi is. But when I asked him that, one thing that I thought really resonated and will resonate with our readers is that I said, well, what, what do you hope happens to you? Do you worry about where your season is going to go if and when Didi comes back healthy and they insert him back into the starting lineup as the starting shortstop. And his answer was right. And what he said was, if I'm playing really well, they're going to have to find at-bats for me. His goal is play really, really well between now and whenever Didi comes back, and they can't take me out of the lineup. They'll have to find a place for me. And that's true. I think that's a really good answer. Like, don't worry. You know, he's not worried about what else is going to happen around him. He's worried about playing really, really well and feels like that'll take care of itself. Getting back to the day that you spent with Troy in Las Vegas, I think it's interesting sometimes for our readers to kind of hear the details of how these things sort of come into existence. When I had planned to interview Jason Giambi um, out there, who I had reconnected with last year at Old Timers Day, since, the, since that had been, those plans had been put in place, uh, we signed Troy Tulowitzki, and I learned um, just from just doing a little bit of research that he also lived in Las Vegas. I knew it was going to be a good day. I knew it was going to be a good interview, and I knew it was going to be a good story, and I knew it was going to be somebody that I was going to like and that you guys were going to like. How long did you actually get to spend there? And Did you guys go anywhere else, or was it all just right No, there it was house? all there. You know, he, he had me there pretty early in the morning, at least by my standards, because he was going to work out you know, in the early part of the afternoon. So, I, you know, I was there till, till the early part of the afternoon. And we really just drank uh, probably, you know, too much coffee and uh, 
you know, just talked and, and like I said, talked for a long time on the on the record for the for the piece and then had a really nice conversation afterwards, both about his career and what he hopes to do and and we had some fun laughs about Derek Jeter and some of the experiences I had with him he was curious about and and that made me feel really good I I spoke to him about interviewing Derek and Ernie Banks uh, together you know another great shortstop and you know usually when you're you're talking to a player uh, especially a star player like Troy about your experiences as a as a Yankees magazine editor, their level of interest usually is is only limited to a minute or something. He was genuinely interested, and I, and I felt that because he was asking me a lot of questions, and, and it was a really nice dialogue. Great. I'm looking forward to meeting this guy. That is definitely one thing that we are excited about, uh, seeing how it develops in February. When we come back, let's talk about some other things that we are, uh, now that we are hitting February and we are about to start spring training, some of the other things that we are looking forward to seeing. So stick with us. Hi, this is Aaron Judge. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. We are back. I can't believe it's time to start talking about spring training when there is a snow squall about to come passing by our window right now. But let's talk. What what We, we talked about Troy Tulowitzki. I've mentioned that that's the thing that I'm looking forward to seeing happen. But I think the Yankees are a team that are put together well. I think they are a complete team. I think the pitching, the starting pitching is a little bit better than people are giving it credit for. I think the bullpen is truly beyond belief. I think the offense last year does not have the offense does not have to be as good as it was last year to still be remarkable. Um, you know, I think the biggest problem with the Yankees roster right now is that the Red Sox are in the same division and the Astros are in the same league. I, I, I mean, I don't think that you can necessarily knock anything about that. So let's hear from you guys. What, what are the things that as you start packing your bags and start jotting some notes in your notebooks to get ready for spring training, you know, what are the things that you have on your mind? Uh, well, you know, I'm certainly going to be uh, keeping an eye on, on Gary Sanchez, how Gary's looking in spring. Um, you know, the, the first base battle is, is one that I think will be interesting to watch because who knows how that's going to play out between, you know, what we saw from from Luke Voigt at the end of last year and what we've seen from Greg Bird at different points throughout his career. Uh, you know, both those guys seem capable of really big things. So that's certainly something I'll be keeping an eye on. And I mean, more than anything, I'm just really excited to see baseball and see, a you know, a white ball getting thrown around a diamond and, and hear the sound of bat on ball and leather, you know, mitts popping like, I'm ready. I don't. I don't care if it's on a backfield. I don't care if it's on, you know, the main diamond at GMS Field, or honestly, if it's on TV. Just give me Judge and Stanton taking BP. Put it into my veins. Like I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm just so ready for yeah. to not be hearing about Super Bowl Media Day or Roger Goodell's press conference. Like just give me Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and batting practice, and that's gonna that that'll hold me over for, until opening day. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I'm, I'm anxious to see the two guys that you just mentioned, actually, Aaron Judge and, and John Carlos Stanton. Um, obviously, Aaron's season was a little bit derailed last year with injury, and but I thought what Giancarlo did, you know, was really impressive. You know, finishing the season with 38 home runs and, and 100 RBI, 
for a guy who was making the transition to the American League, making a transition to games that were meaningful, not only just playing for the Yankees, but playing in meaningful games. I think he did pretty well last year, and I'm really anxious to see if he can pick up where he left off and keep that progression going. And then the other, the other all-star that I'm really interested to see um, is Luis Severino. Mm-hmm. Because his season last year is kind of like the tale of two seasons. Which version of of Luis is going to be pitching the, the majority of, of his starts, let's say. So, you know, anxious to see those three guys in spring training. Definitely agree. I can't wait to see Severino pitch. I am uh, – I'm really excited for CC's year this year. You know, we're, we're, we're starting to talk about, you know, the ways that we as a magazine and as a team are going to approach his last season. He's made it clear that this is it. He and his wife Amber want to go big on it. They they have big plans for, you know, a farewell tour of sorts. And I think CC's earned it. He's obviously going to be showing up to camp slimmer than he has in recent years. Uh, and, you know, in talking to him and talking to Amber, you know, that can be good or bad sometimes. Sometimes he actually pitches better with some more weight on. But you know, his long term health is more important, of course. But I just I just really hope that he gets the year he wants to to go out with. I, I know it's probably pie in the sky, but I hope that he's in Cleveland for the All-Star game. You know, that would be just incredibly special for a guy who spent so much time in Cleveland, assuming, obviously, that that's not likely. I hope he, when he goes there in June, he gets incredible joy from that last trip to Cleveland that he takes this year. And and I, and I hope that, you know, the fans, I've never heard a bad word about CC. You know, fans love him. Fans love to play against him. Fans love to, you know, compete with him. You saw in that Tampa Bay game last year when he had a $500,000 bonus on the line and he was willing to get kicked out of a game. You know why teammates love him, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's a special guy. I've been extremely lucky to be, I would say, taken into his confidence in a few cases to really be able to write stories about him that I felt got deeper than just what he did on the mound. I'm grateful for that, and I'm really excited to see what he does this year. And I hope, look, I mean, I, I think, expectation for a Cy Young or 20 game a 20 win season whatever you know that, that's not realistic but I hope it's you never just know a, though Musina went out with a 20 win season that's yeah. a great that's and, a great point and nobody thought that was gonna happen mm-hmm. I hope that it's a fulfilling year for him that ends as late as it can possibly end well I think he's got a really strong shot at least of hitting the 3,000 strikeout mark because I think what does he need 14 or 16 something yeah. like that I like um, his chances yeah uh-huh. so that that's a big number I mean that's not too many pitchers get to 3,000 Ks. There's only two lefties that have gotten there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree. I'm definitely pulling for CC to, you know, have a, a fulfilling year, you know, make as many starts as possible and uh, really just kind of soak it in and enjoy that kind of victory lap. And the thing is he's built for this team. He's built for a team that has the best bullpen ever. Sure. Like, I mean, yeah. he does not need to go out there and give you seven or eight innings, and that's good because he's not going to go out there and give you seven or eight innings every time. But when he's on – he can give you five incredibly strong innings and then turn it over to one of the seven relievers that the Yankees currently have that any team would die for. Who so, might all be in Cleveland, actually. <laughs> there you go, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you guys, and I'm glad you brought him up, John. Um, both of you have, have written incredible stories with CC and with his family and stories with I'm proud of as an editor and that you guys should both be proud of as, as editors and writers. But, you know, I, I feel the same way. And, and one thing I think about when – kind of look back on players who I've seen ha- uh, experience their final seasons, whether it was Mariano Rivera or Derek Jeter or Andy Pettit. And before this, I was with the Orioles and, and there for Cal Ripken's last season. It's always, in my opinion, smart for the player and makes for a much better 
experience when they look back on their careers to announce that it's their last season because it gives fans an opportunity to thank them. And you're right, CC Sabathia is a special person, a special player, and he's been that way for a long time. Fans deserve the opportunity to thank him, to recognize him, to salute a great, great career. And he deserves the opportunity to get that type of praise. So before we even see a single swing in Tampa or a single pitch, who's the guy that you think people are underrating coming into 2019? Who aren't we talking about enough? Um, I would say, based on the, uh, the excellent piece you wrote that'll be out in the uh, spring issue, uh, James Paxton is, is probably the, the guy on this team who's, who's you know maybe flying under the radar a little bit in terms of just uh, what his potential is, what he could do for this pitching rotation this year. You know, he's a, he's a guy who, you know, a lot of Yankees fans might not have seen a, a ton of innings. You know, a lot of his, his games were late night starts on the West Coast. Uh, so a lot of folks, myself included, might not have been paying that close of attention, attention to what he was doing out there. But look, I mean, he's he's got a boatload of talent. He's already done some special things in his career. And, uh, you know, you don't really hear that much about him or worry from him <laughs> so you know unlike some of the other stars whose every move is going to be documented he might be able to just kind of go out there and go about his work and then when he takes the hill uh at yankee stadium uh we might see some some pretty good outings from him so i've convinced at least one person nice you did it was a very convincing story john <laughs> what do you what do you got al i would say miguel andujar and the reason i say that is you know, all the attention that he's received um, since being the Yankees' most consistent hitter for an entire season last year has been about rumors that surrounded him in the trade market who might replace him. Well, right now he's still the Yankees' starting third baseman. I'll point out that last year he wasn't even supposed to be here. It was a year that he was really slated, at least for the majority of last year, slated to be in AAA. So he was kind of playing with house money and came up here in a year when he wasn't, you know, uh, expected to be here as, as, at that time. And, uh, you know, batted 298, was really the most consistent hitter over the entire season. I, I think that's the right answer. That's what I was going to say. Just because you already said that, and I have to choose something different. I'll, I will never forget that first month of Glaber being up here. I don't think it was fluky. You, you mentioned it with Andrew Har. He's here early. He's still so young. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see what the career holds for this guy. I think that he gave us a glimpse last year. I know that it's, you know, cliche or whatever to expect regression or a sophomore slump or whatever. And I, I, I've never really bought that that's a necessary thing. And I don't see any reason why we shouldn't see uh, just a terrific year from Glaber this year. So I'm very excited to see what he's got. But, I mean, guys, when we do this next time, pitchers and catchers are going to be in Tampa. So nice. we – uh. We're there. Just about. Let's do it. Let's let's cross that hump on Sunday. Let's watch the Super Bowl. Let's enjoy it. Let's talk about the fun football game we'll watch for the last time this year, and then uh, let's get into baseball mode. What do you say? Sounds great. Can't can't wait for it. If you want to see the stories that we've been talking about, I urge you to head to yankees.com slash magazine where you can read our long-form content. You can also go to yankees.com slash publications to purchase a subscription or purchase back issues or purchase yearbooks or any other publications that we put out let us know what you think about what we're doing send emails to podcast at yankees.com well we'd love ideas we'd love thoughts you have we're always trying to find ways that we can make this better and of course of course of course please follow us at yanks magazine on twitter we'd love to engage with you we'd love to 
keep you entertained as we begin the march you know 2019 season it's kind of kind of here so join us for it we're excited to share it with you guys and we're excited to get these stories we've been talking about out to you and we'll speak to you in a bit have a good one